Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together. A pluralistic one with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode of our Sustainability Journey. Today, we are going to discuss with one of the most talented young academians that I've found in Kenya. She has done wonderful results. She's part of the B Academics. She has studied sustainability. And I'm very glad to welcome here Mumbi Washira. Mumbi, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Samuel. I'm very happy and excited to be here with you today. Mumbi, you are at the Strathmore Business School, so one of the leading business schools in the continent, and your interest is sustainability, and especially in our context, in the emerging market context, which I think is will give valuable insights. But first of all, who is Mumbi? You know, now you are there at the Strathmore. How you have come to be a leader in the sustainability area? Thank you, Samuel. And again, when we are asked to talk about our stories, we always wonder where to begin. So I should first give a bit of background. I'm born and raised in Nairobi. My interest in sustainability research and um, teaching came a bit later on in life. But I have to say from the time I was a child, um, I remember always wanting fairness, fairness on the playground, fairness in how teachers um, would interact with us. These things were very important to me. So when I went to university, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree and we had to do a research project and I really didn't know which topic to choose. And I had this discussion with my dad and he said, you know, why don't you look at um, what Wangare Masai is doing with the Green Belt Movement? Um, so I hadn't really, you know, understood how environmental protection was being understood, practiced by people in the country. And I found it fascinating. So that's really where, for me, the sustainability journey began. And I realized that it almost felt as if I'd always known about the importance that sustainable development plays in life. But now it had become realized because of being directed towards understanding what Wangare Mathai's movement was about. So I did some preliminary, you know, very baseline research on um, green businesses and how they were working in Nairobi, mostly manufacturers um, in the industrial area. Then when I went to do my master's uh, program, which was an accounting program, I now specialized in ecological or environmental accounting and how that was being used um, by manufacturers. And for my PhD, I then um, expanded that to examining sustainability and integrated reporting practices across South Africa, Kenya, and Mauritius. So that's how it has really grown. It is not to say that I don't have an interest in the typical accounting topics, audit, financial reporting, because I still teach those. But my heart is really in that intersection between business practice, responsibility, and how we actually demonstrate that through the reporting practices that are adopted. Thank you so much, Mumbi. And what an example. I mean, a Nobel Prize, Wangari Matai. And it's really fascinating how you have really grown and expanded your interest in the field. Let me come now, you know, to ask you, because sustainability, it, especially in our context, in, in the emerging market context, and also focusing on your research, how we can 
include in the curriculum? And that's a great question, Samuele, because I think, um, and I've also had these interactions with faculty at the business school and even in the wider university, because now in Kenya, there's a push from the Ministry of Education to embed climate change topics across university curricula. So we've had a few seminars just trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? And you find for many people, it, it can seem overwhelming. Where do you start? There's a Paris Agreement, there's a Sustainable Development Goals, and now you're thinking, okay, where does my you know, uh, investment portfolio analysis intersect with climate change? So it can be overwhelming, but there are some ways we can do this simply. So the first way um, is to just choose a topic which is sustainability related, okay? Um, so for example, I've had accounting classes, but I've had a guest lecturer or even an industry practitioner come to talk to us about um, sustainable supply chains. So it's completely different, but it's just giving the students another viewpoint, which may or may not be directly related to that particular course, but it helps them think differently. Okay, and even sometimes to see connections which are not apparent. The second way is to really see the intersections because some courses do actually intersect quite nicely with sustainable development education. So one of the things that we are quite um, strong about in Strathmore University is ethics, so business ethics, okay? And that intersects very well with ideas of intergenerational equity or intragenerational equity. So people can then see, you know, when we're talking about justice for nature, why, what is the philosophical underpinning of why we are saying this should be so? So they, there are those intersections. Then I think we need to mobilize our students, including our university. But I now see a lot of activities being driven by young people. So why doesn't the university then create the platform for students to have themed weeks? And some of them can be, you know, geared at encouraging recycling or climate awareness, different types of ideas here. And then other ideas are just the typical company visits, um, internships. These are some simple ways um, that people could quite quickly embed these discussions in their curricula. Thank you, Mumbi. I think that is this is a way and you have started already practicing and really changing also and fostering the idea of sustainability, even in traditional fields. Let me ask you a bit about your experience with the, your discussion, you say, with companies, executives and students, you know, graduates, undergraduate. Which are the perception with the discussion and the topics that they're raising? Just to see a bit of the context. I think that's also a very important question because um, I feel that this is a global agenda. But what I have tried to do many times in my research is to show how the local context counts. So I feel, and this is from my experiences with teaching um, sustainable finance, um, teaching aspects of integrated reporting, and also teaching executive programs on shared value and purpose-led businesses, is that for people here, the question is, this is an external agenda being brought. That is one point of view. So at the beginning, I find that it's almost like preaching where you have to tell people, look, yes, it's a global agenda, 
but this is why we need to look at it locally and prioritize, you know. So I feel that there's a bit of that resistance. I also feel like it's because we feel this wasn't our responsibility to begin with. I mean, in Kenya, most of our energy sources are actually, you know, renewable, really. So when you tell somebody, you know, you need to actually measure your carbon emissions over time, and this is quite expensive sometimes to implement at an organizational level, they're asking, but why should we? You know, we are not the largest emitters, okay? Why is this pressure then being, you know, put on us? So I think what we have to do and what I found very helpful, especially now that we are talking about COP26, COP, now we're going to COP27, we're looking at climate action. I think we have to show people the social dimension of these things. Yes, we're talking about carbon emissions. We're talking about greenhouse gas emissions. We're talking about that. It's very important. But then we need to show how does that translate to the social challenges we're seeing? Because then you can make a better case for it. If you can keep the discussion at the level of look at, for example, in Kenya, the level of, of drought we've experienced in the last two years, look at the heightened levels of inequality and show those connections. It's a better way to present than the urgency to act. So I feel, of course, that is one perspective. And of course, there are other you know, perceptions people have, which is that immediately when they learn about it, then they are very passionate you know, and, and quite anxious to take action. However, I do think that the former point is quite crucial for educators so that the message gets across. Thank you, Mumbi. And I really like your point. I also to really transform and contextualize in our context here in Kenya, uh, this global agenda because and, and be part of our common and shared responsibility for, for the planet. You know, let me also be discuss, discuss common and share how you are trying to foster also this agenda within maybe peers and alliances and collaboration within, you know, the leading business school, especially in the continent. Thank you, Samuele. Um, I think, you see, SDG 17 is about partnerships, you see, and sometimes I feel we throw that term around loosely, but it really is the mechanism through which we can solve these things. Um so there are different groups that we can think about if we're operating regionally here in Africa. So for example, for higher education institutions, you know, the United Nations Principles for Responsible uh, Management Education or what we call UN Prime is one of those platforms that brings together different universities to collaborate on several issues around sustainable development. So there are research collaborations, teaching opportunities, co-teaching as well. Um, there are opportunities to host conferences jointly. You know, I find this helps. And I am quite excited actually to say, because I am part of the founding committee for the Africa chapter, and there's quite a lot of energy around how can we then bring our business schools together in a way that, you know, can actually encourage other institutions as well, beyond just higher education institutions, but also work together with the private sector, um, with government, just to create solutions around some of these sustainability challenges that we have, or even how to make the research we do applied. You know, as an academic, you're always being told, publish or perish. You know, you have to put your work in these A-list journals. But 
the thing is, you know, is that research being read by just five people who you know and are in your academic circle, or is it actually reaching the people who can make that impact real? So that's, again, it's seeing how do we then harness these things. Other bodies that we can think of is ABS or the Association of African Business Schools, because brings together, you know, again, African business schools, a lot of the leadership, but also faculty, just to share best practices on teaching research. And I know even we've worked with them earlier last year, and we have had some very interesting discussions just around education for sustainable development. So these are some ideas around how we can um, collaborate across. And I also think as we collaborate, we shouldn't only look to collaborate with higher education institutions, but also with other NGOs, private sector institutions, which are also having the same purpose that we do. Thank you, Mumbi. And that's the spirit of the SDG 17, uh, that sometimes, as you say, we throw around what we re don't really make good use of it. I, and I think you have made a, a strong case there. Mumbi, now I want to also to go a bit deeper, you know, on your research and your work that you have done in sustainability and your research, talking about the reporting, and then we will go maybe to some cases. So which are the key findings, you know, in, in this uh, context, South Africa, Kenya, and Mauritius that you have found in your research? I found it very interesting. So this is the main research I did in my PhD, and it's what I continue to build on now. What I was um, mainly focusing on was understanding, you know, how is sustainability reporting, which is how companies, you know, will record or capture their ecological social impacts, you know, over time. And does this actually correlate with their performance? And I found it very interesting because I think the first thing I really have to say, because I have to talk about South Africa here, is that it really is, in my view, from a reporting perspective, a model for Africa. Looking at the history of the country, you find that from the 90s, there was already a code of corporate governance that then set the baseline for the country to actually develop what we now call integrated reporting and a kind of, you know, a more summarized form of sustainability reporting. And that has now become an international practice. So it's linked a lot to their political history, wanting equity, wanting justice, seeing the organization as a corporate citizen. And I've seen that same idea replicated in Mauritius and in Kenya. So the first thing is understanding that history does play a role in the kind of reporting practices that we tend to see. The second aspect that I saw um, across these countries is I felt, you know, typically researchers will talk about typical theories that one can use to study um, these kind of practices. You know, we talk about responsibility for not just shareholders, but a, a broader set of, of stakeholders. So we have stakeholder theory. But what I proposed um, in my dissertation was, look, if we're going to give local understandings, what are the local, even if they're not theories, concepts, ideas, which can help us to make sense of the way these practices are emerging? And I found two main ones. There's what we call Ubuntuism. I think that one is quite well understood by a lot of us, which is that it is not about only one individual, but the community. And then the second aspect is what we call Afrikapitalism, which is really, yes, a sense of prosperity, that define our communities, but also again, you know, this sense of connectedness 
So I thought these are ideas that we can use as a lens to study this kind of reporting practices, because what I really found was, whereas historically Western countries have tended to focus a lot on the ecological dimension of sustainability reporting, the waste level, the emission levels, ETC. For African countries, at least those three, the society matters more. Okay, we are able to see those impacts quite strongly because of the problems that are confronting us. So when it comes to those social um, reporting metrics, okay, uh, the, the, the way the community is engaging with the company, okay, the way employees feel, how they are treated by the company, yeah, um, these tend to actually hold more weight and tend to be prioritized more by companies here. And I feel, you know, it is a bit different when you compare, say, with most, you know, Central European countries, for example. And then I think the final thing I'd also want to talk about um, just briefly um, is this idea of diversity. So I feel if we talk about it in the U.S., you know, the importance of diversity, you know, that's a key social metric or social reporting metric. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, African-Americans, you know, there's that clear racial distinction. But for Africa, it's really ethnic, yeah, in some countries. However, when it is in South Africa, it tends then to morph into racial diversity because of their context. So I think it's understanding that, yeah, there are these similarities across, but there are also these differences as well that we have to be aware of as we are studying the practice. Thank you, Mumbi. Those are wonderful insights. I really love them. And I hope also, I'm sure also the audience is taking keynotes of them because as I say, I really like the context is really crucial and the history is crucial also to influence reporting practices and the part of the community and the engagement of the company. Those are the social dimensions that we see every day also here in our work. Now I want to go a bit practical, you know, because you work with SMEs, you work also with big companies. Can you share maybe one or two cases that uh, you have so that uh, you, you can give us? I know academics, sometimes we can be up there, you know, with these theories. But then the thing is now, as we say in Kenya, you need to come to the ground, the reality on the ground. <laughs> so... Um, the first example I would like to talk about is a collaboration that we have with Absa Bank Kenya. So Absa Bank Kenya has adopted a shared value strategy. Okay, so shared value is this idea that you can create economic value that creates social impact. And it's a concept that's coined by Mark Kramer and Michael Porter of Harvard Business School. So they adopted this strategy and they said, you know what, for us to do this well, we need to actually engage with our suppliers and we need to actually encourage them as much as we can to adopt sustainable business practices. But how are we going to do this? Okay, because now they need to be capacity building. So they approached us and they asked us, you know, can we then create a program, an online program for their suppliers, um, which is self-paced, but with other learning interventions from faculty. And working very closely with them, we did. You know, it's five modules. You know, we are talking about you know, just generally what is sustainability, the basics, um, what's sustainable development, what is the business case for it, how does your communication and your marketing come in when you're talking about sustainability of the business. It's a self-paced program using different tools, videos, um, learning materials, quizzes, like a Moodle, 
you know, course. And then after that, we have then a series of weekly webinars, okay? So because of COVID, we've been doing this mostly online. However, this year we want to do them in person because we think it's good also for them to network better when they're in person. But just to go through the material again and for them to ask questions about what was not clear. And the idea is that after they finish this program, they should then go and implement, first create and implement a sustainability strategy. So the final part of that program was realizing that, okay, people have gone through this course, it's very interesting, but then they get stuck at actually the implementation phase. So what we then have done is to assign interns from the business school who are, again, our fourth year students, just, you know, who have also gone through the program, but with a lot more support from us to give them that extra capacity to actually create an action plan. Okay, so these are some of the ideas around how we can make the learning more practical. Yeah? So that's one program. Okay, the other I have to say is a lot of activities um, that we have done together with the Shared Value Africa Initiative. So the Shared Value Africa Initiative is an organization, it's Pan-African, and their main purpose is really spreading this idea of shared value to corporations in Africa. Okay, so the CEO, Tiki Bernard, um, we did work very closely together and still work closely together to facilitate um, an executive course on creating shared value that targets mostly mid to large sized firms that want to create, as Absa did, a shared value strategy. And the beauty of this course is that I have to say, you know, Mark Kramer actually uh, shared with us the curriculum that Harvard Business School has for their program. So we modeled it off of what they have, but then localized it, especially in terms of the case studies and just some of the focus areas. So these are two examples I can give, but really the idea is trying to find out how is this knowledge going to permeate to businesses. And I think one thing I should also add, Samuele, which I feel is crucial and it also came out in the research. In my research, I focused mostly on um, listed firms, but this is not, you know, the, the main drivers of our economic growth in Africa are SMEs. So as I've seen with the ABSA training and others as well is we need to find the language, you know, that is useful for SMEs. We need to make it easier for them to understand what the business case for pursuing a sustainability strategy is. And then we need to give them the resources that they need to do it easily because they are constrained as well. They're working in a harsh environment against many odds. So that I think is on us as educators as well to think about how the translation happens at that level. Thank you, Mumbi. They are wonderful, wonderful insight. And I love the one for SMEs. I think this is uh, critical and, and is also context-based. I think you have given us wonderful insights and a, a lot of food for thoughts for improving and putting establishing sustainability in our curriculum, also practical cases. And the APSA case it will be a, a changer, especially for our context in Kenya, enabling SMEs to really embed the share value and the discussion and also improve the performances. As we are going now, now to the end, I, I want to ask from your perspective and your work, a message that you want to give to our global audience that is listening to us. Wow. 
I think first is understanding that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I've had this conversation many times um, with many different people, which is once you realize that we do have a very urgent problem at our doorstep, then you really have to find a way to put a stake in this fight. Um, as Sander Ojiambo, who is head of the UN, United Nations Global Compact says, I think it's realizing that um, sustainable development permeates everything we do. It's understanding that we really want to build a future that other people who have not yet come will thrive in. You see, I have an accounting background and people usually are like, but how does this come in? But it does, okay? It comes in finance. You know, it comes in the STEM-related fields, of course. You know, it, it comes in history. It comes in philosophy. Uh, it comes in psychology. So I think it's what I would like to tell those who are listening here is to find where can you plug in? And sometimes it doesn't have to be something very complex, you see? It's a conversation you have. Yeah, it's a podcast like this that you listen to, you know, just to raise awareness and, and understanding of the problem. The other thing I'd also like to say, and I'm now quoting, I think it's Greta Thunberg, and there's a time she was in an interview, but one of the things they said which struck me was, we have to have hope, but it's not just hoping, because I feel here, at least in Kenya, or at least in my circles, let me speak for my circles, we tend to say, oh, we'll just hope for the best. But hope is something you create, okay? You create it through the actions that you carry out. So I think it's to see that we are key players in this whole journey. And I think once we realize that, then we can build a better future. So those are the messages I would want to, to leave everybody, to hold on to hope, but to act for it as well. Mumbi, thank you so much. I love this message. And this is also the spirit that gave birth this podcast. To serve as I can with the little means that I have here from the highlands of Kenya. So trying to talk to the world and get people like you and others really give up, create, as I say, and foster action and share wonderful experiences across the world that people like you and others that they are doing wonderful thing to act and really to transform and solve the issues that are at stake of our planet, our social and, and environmental crisis. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful, Mumbi, for your time and for your insights. And I hope to see you. I mean, we are here in Kenya together, and then we can see where the research and the work is taking you. And I wish you um, the very best. Thank you so much, Mumbi. Thank you, Samuel. I've really enjoyed this. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share. And I, again, you know, I'm inspired by all the work that you do. You have just said it is showing others what is possible. I'm just very honored to be here. I've listened to so many of the episodes. Please listen to the other episodes if you haven't. They're amazing. And uh, yes, you're welcome for a cup of tea in Nairobi. And I will also visit as well for the cup of tea on that side. Asante sana. sana. Thank you so much. Karibu. Thank you, Samuel. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.